I recently got the following request from a fan of the show. Hey Ben, I have an idea for you. I'd love to hear a little bit more about building capacity in thrusters. It's crazy to me. There are a lot of great articles about building ring muscle-ups or handstand density, but very little about thrusters. So it seems there's a gap worth exploring. I grew up doing martial arts, especially grappling, so I have a decent amount of upper body endurance. So as an example, I hit 21 unbroken ring muscle-ups at the start of the test cycle. However, that sounded like a flex. Here's the reason I prove it's not. I would really struggle to do 21 thrusters. In fact, I don't know if I've ever done 21 thrusters unbroken. My max wall balls was around the 35 mark. In the 21.3 workout, I was breaking up the sets of 15 front squats and thrusters in the second and third sets. Anyway, it's just an idea since I haven't been able to find much on building capacities for thrusters and wall balls. I know you love analyzing and breaking down stuff, so I thought I'd suggest it. Best wishes, Mark. So if you have a topic that you would like us to cover on the fitness movement, you can email me, ben at zorfitness.com, or you can send us a DM on Instagram at zorfitness. So we're going to dive in what Mark asked for, how to build your thruster capacity. fitness movement is brought to you by Zor Fitness. We offer coaching and individualized program design, as well as educational content for coaches and athletes. It's all at one place, ZorFitness.com. And welcome back to my rant on developing your capacity for thrusters. The first thing that I would do is do some statistical analysis of thrusters in the sport of CrossFit. I've done quite a bit of analysis already on the open as well as the games. You can see both of those if you go to zorfitness.com pro. You can also get a free seven-day trial if you want to view it for free. So the first thing that I would think about if we're just taking a big picture approach is open versus quarterfinals versus uh, semifinals versus the games, right? At each stage of the competition, there's going to be a different requirement for your uh, thruster capacity. Obviously, the deeper you get into the game season, people are just more fit. But also, I would argue that, generally speaking, most people are getting stronger as well. So if we start with the Open, it's most common, historically speaking, that we're seeing a 95 or 65-pound barbell for males and females, respectively. And there was an exception to that 22.3, as he mentioned. There was an ascending uh, ladder, which each of those rounds, it went 95, 115, 135 for males, 65, 75, 85 pounds for females. Uh, so that was sort of the high end of the threshold, like 135.95 or uh, 135.85 in this case. You're probably not going to see things that are a whole lot heavier than that in the open. And then the games we saw up to 185 pounds for the men and 125 pounds for the women for thrusters. And that was a 10 to 1 uh, descending rep scheme and it was paired with wall walks. So obviously that's way more aggressive, way more interference and a much higher loading parameter. So you just kind of need to understand at what point in the season are you trying to optimize for if you are a competitive athlete. And if you're someone who's just recreational, then it's just like, just try to improve. So let's first go over some of the movement demands. One of the things that's super important for a thruster to be efficient at these is to be able to keep a full hand when you're in that front rack. So the entire way through, unlike a clean and a jerk, where you can reset in between those two movements and you don't have to keep a full hand on the bar. In other words, you can go to a fingertip grip in your front squat and often that's an advantageous thing. That's not what you want to do on thruster. You want to be able to keep your entire hand on the bar. So I could really dive deep on front rack mechanics here, but 
I want just to, to take a bigger step back and think of it as, as more as a system of the shoulder and how that's interacting. Basically, you just need to understand that everything that attaches or goes across your shoulder and maybe we could get more specific about all the different joints of the shoulder. However, if we just think about that as kind of a general term for now, um, you need to understand that all the, the muscles that impact the shoulder are going to impact your front rack. So your lats, your pecs, your long head of your, your biceps and your triceps, all of those are going to have a significant impact on how your shoulder moves in space. And specifically for the front rack, you need quite a bit of uh, shoulder flexion, so getting those elbows up in space, and then shoulder extra rotation, so that you can keep that full hand on the bar. Because a lot of people, that's really where they lack that range of motion is in uh, the external rotation, in particular, if you can't keep a full hand on the bar. Oftentimes, if you do have enough laxity in that chain, it'll kind of work its way downstream, where you can uh, have less issues with elbow and wrist moving forward. So, front rack is obviously super important. Equally important is probably having an upright torso in your front squat. And it's going to be really hard to keep a full hand on the bar if you don't have an upright squat or a generally upright squat. So again, big picture, we need triple flexion of that knee, uh, hip, and ankle. So basically your ability to be able to fold and organize your body while keeping that nice upright torso. Big picture things, those are probably the most important too. Full hand front rack and a nice upright torso front squat. In terms of physiological characteristics and qualities, obviously strength is going to be super important. I don't necessarily want people like maxing out their ruster as a good proxy. I don't necessarily think people need to do that, but I think two more commonly tested things are probably appropriate here. Front squat and push press are two things that will be very good indicators uh, of what someone's going to be able to do in, in their thruster capacity in terms of top end strength. So beyond just having higher 1RMs, having good dynamic change of speed direction in your front squat and carrying that speed actually through the drive of the push press where you don't lose speed through the middle of portion of the rep is hugely important so you have to have good eccentric strength and control as well as pretty high joint velocities if we're thinking about trying to keep these efficient if the bar really starts to slow down that movement becomes dramatically less efficient and just the reps start to take longer and they're just more expensive overall so if I was going to go through what I do with my one-on-one coaching athletes, basically help them troubleshoot uh, a lack of capacity in particular movement, in this case thrusters, first thing I would have them do is film a bunch of different angles and be able to compare themselves or have me compare their positions versus elite athletes and what the elite athletes are doing with their thrusters. So being objective, <laughs> I would ask them, like, do your positions look like theirs? And I would compare against people who have similar anthropometrics and like limb lengths and heights as you. So for example, if you're a six foot two male, you probably shouldn't be comparing against Matt Frazier. So find someone who looks pretty similar to you in terms of their, their build and body characteristics, and then see what their thruster ability looks like. Do your positions look like theirs, right? If the answer is no, then you need to work on those positions. I've said there's a ton you could do in terms of mobility work but also I want people doing positional work with a barbell. I really like implementing pauses and tempo work. So, so for example, I oftentimes I have people do like a lot of triple pause split jerks to work on their uh, split jerk technique. So they pause when they're in the dip, they pause when they're the catch. So in other words, when they're actually split and then they're pause in the recovery. So basically when that lockout position, when feedback under their hips, you can apply a similar type thing to a thruster. So, 
you pause when you're overhead, you pause when you're in the front rack, and realistically, I'd probably keep a, like maybe a quarter squat there, sort of that, that drive phase position, and then the bottom of the thruster, right? And you could do that with an empty barbell in your warm-ups, practicing that triple pause thruster, and that'd be a great drill to incorporate, along with doing other more passive mobility techniques. So let's just say that an athlete's positions look really similar and they're like, yeah, my, my positions look generally the same as that athlete that I'm trying to mimic, then we're ready to go. I would say next probably makes sense to go to their strength metrics. So is your front squat, is your push press max competitive or at least in the ballpark of other athletes that are at the level that you want to compete at? So not necessarily comparing yourself versus a games level athlete, but relative to the other people at my stage of the competition that I want to compete against. So really quickly, I'm going to go through some examples of what would be an appropriate level for different levels of qualification. First of all, the open, there's no numbers here because anyone can sign up for the open, so you don't need a minimum amount, right? If you want to qualify for quarterfinals, I would say for a male, having a front squat of maybe 275 and a push press of maybe 175 is probably good minimum numbers to have. For a female, you're probably looking a lot more like 175 pounds on the front squat, maybe 105 pounds on the push press. Again, these are just general ranges. If you have complete really below any of those, it's probably a red flag. For a semifinals athlete, this one who wants to qualify for a semifinals, having a, a front squat as a male about 355 or so, and a push press probably at least 225 are probably rec good recommendations on the, on the female side. A front squat of maybe 250 and a push press of, of maybe 150 would be pretty good ranges. And then if we go to games qualifiers, males often are north of 400 pounds on the front squat, often above 300 pounds for a push press. And for females, I would say front squat, you know, realistically, a lot of them are above like 285 and push press, I would say definitely above 200 is probably fair for a good handful of them. So if your positions are really good and your technique is sound, then you have a red flag on maybe one of those strength metrics, then you just probably just need to spend some time getting stronger and like building your contractile strength. And if you do that, then each contraction that you do at a fixed loading in a workout, so for example, it's an open workout and it's got a 95 or 65 pound barbell for thrusters, that's at a lower percentage of your one rep max, which then it makes it really less costly and more repeatable for you to do those reps at that loading. So let's just pretend we have someone and they have good strength numbers. They're like about where I said their positions mimic games level athletes, then what is going on? Let's let's maybe figure out what we can do to troubleshoot from a capacity standpoint of what's going on. However, I do want to pause here just one second. I would say I'd be willing to bet that probably 90, maybe more than 90% of people who are regularly engaging in CrossFit training, if you're like, quote, blowing up on thrusters, then it's probably one of those two things, either the strength or the positions. I'd be willing to bet most people listening to this, it's one of those two things. However, if you think you're not and you think you're in maybe that 10% or so, then uh, let's let's kind of troubleshoot capacity a little bit. And it's not that you couldn't work on capacity while you're working on strength. However, I think it is helpful to kind of silo and segment this in that way. So if I'm working with an athlete and we're trying to troubleshoot their capacity and it's a specific movement, the first thing that I would do is like say, is it a specific movement or is it in, in Metcons and all mixed work in general? And if it's something where it's not just specific to a thruster and they're just lagging in all of their Metcon ability, then obviously you, you attack that completely differently. But let's say that relative to a lot of the other movements that they have, kind of like the situation that Mark was describing before in the intro, that 
it's like a glaring hole, like for whatever reason, thrusters are the thing that really tends to slow them down. Then you're obviously going to dig it more specifically into that uh, thruster capacity. And again, the first thing that I would do is just sort of create some other tests around that, right? Have a dialogue with the athlete, figure out like what situations might cause that to come up and then kind of give them some, some testers or exposures of things that are going to sort of provoke that and have that come out. And it just, get some video, get some some more training notes about that process. And then you can start to get a little bit more clarity around what's actually potentially limiting them in those thruster workouts. For example, maybe when thrusters are paired with rowing, the athletes, uh, you know, their quads blow up when they do that. Or maybe um, when thrusters are paired with hanging gymnastics, maybe like chest bars, which is super common in the, in the open, you feel like you can't catch your breath and you're forced to, to break more times on the thruster bar. Or maybe when thrusters are paired with bar-facing burpees, your triceps, pressing, the, that whole musculature really fatigues and you're not able to have that strong lockout on your thrusters anymore. And the point of this experimentation process is to really help you identify which quality that a thruster demands is the thing that's actually slowing you down. In other words, what is your rate-limiting process? Quick note here, I think a lot of people don't breathe effectively in the thruster. I think they're either holding their breath the entire rep, much like a like a max effort front squat. Like they hold the breath, descend on their squat, continue to hold the breath, stand it up, and then they breathe at the top of the rep versus kind of taking two breaths per movement. So if you aren't able to just kind of take two breaths in each one of those thrusters, then I would say likely it's something where you just don't have the strength and you have to keep a really tight brace the entire time. Where if that's you know, below maybe 30% of your one rep max, it's going to be way easier for you to breathe pretty freely in the thruster. And likely you're going to take an exhale on the bottom, the very bottom and the very top of the movement. So you're getting two breaths per rep. So if you're able to go from one breath to two breaths, every rep, you're doubling your respiration rate, and it's going to therefore match your work rate a whole lot better, right? If work rate is high, respiration rate should also be high. If you want to master breathing in CrossFit, I did an episode on that. Check it out. It was number 55. So once you know what your limiter is or have a better understanding of what it could be, you then want to do things that can provoke that limiter, but in a way where you still get good training outcomes, like you still win, so to speak, right? You're able to express and repeat that and come back and do it again. So the goal is to challenge that weak link in the chain without breaking it, without uh, like spilling over, right? You want to stack wins. And that's really what the whole idea of training progression is. So let's walk through three sample training pieces uh, for each of the three categories of limitations that I kind of went over. First would be something that's a little bit more lower body centric or hip centric. Second would be hanging gymnastics movements paired with those thrusters. And third would be metcons that have high pressing interference. So I just want to give a sample training piece for each one of these. This is by no means exhaustive. It's truly just an example. So First one I want to go over is that lower body or hip centric dominated movements. And that's what's slowing people down. Likely the person doesn't have the front squat strength that they need. If I had to guess, I would probably put Mark into this bucket without ever seeing him move. This would be my guess just based on him saying he had to break up the front squats as well. Then it's probably more of a lower body hip centric thing. Here's the example, five sets, three front squat at 80%, each of those having a three second lower. Rest 20 seconds, and then you'll complete eight thrusters at 135.95. And you'll rest a good recovery between sets, maybe about three minutes. 
So really that one's largely a strength work protocol. The second one would be thrusters paired with hanging gymnastics movements. Four sets, one minute row at your 2K pace. So say your 2K time trial average split place for 500 meters was 145, you'll row one minute at a 145 pace. You'll immediately get off and go into 40% of your chest to bar rep max. So say your rep max was 30, that would mean that you're doing 12 chest to bars. As soon as you drop down, you get onto your thruster bar and you're going to be doing between 12 and 15 thrusters at 95-65. You rest four minutes on the assault bike between those sets and you repeat. And then lastly is our Metcons with high pressing interference. At 0-0-0, you're going to start this first little Metcon. The first one is four time 9-6-3 is the rep scheme of strict handstand push-ups and thrusters at 115-85. At the 10 minute mark, once again, you're gonna have another short Metcon. Four time, four wall walk, four thruster, 115.85. Four wall walk, six thruster, four wall walk, eight thruster. At the 20 minute mark, you're gonna go 15, 12, nine of a bar facing burpee and a thruster at 95.65. So those are by no means exhaustive or gospel, right? They're just sample pieces that you can implement and hopefully find use in on the way to improving your thruster capacity. Thanks for listening today. If you're someone who just found the show, I would encourage you to subscribe so you can stay up to date. If you're someone who's been listening for a while and enjoying what you're hearing, I would encourage you to leave a rating or review for the show. It would definitely help us out. And lastly, if you're someone who does take your fitness seriously and cares about your performance deeply, I would encourage you to look into hiring one of our until next time, stay the course.